Happy March, everyone. Believe it or not, March 11th of next week will mark the one-year anniversary of The Who declaring the coronavirus outbreak as a pandemic. This would eventually lead to the announcement of our two-week lockdown in the United States that began back in March of 2020. It has been quite a turbulent year, but it is our belief that there will ultimately be societal good that comes of this tragedy. At least, that is what we hope. With that being said, welcome to this week's episode of Legally Speaking WTF. To commemorate the one-year anniversary of this pandemic we have all come to know and hate officially being named as such, we will be discussing the monumental accomplishment of the COVID-19 vaccine and its regulation in the workplace. Troy, what will we be covering today? Thanks, Joy. We're going to talk about whether employers can mandate vaccines and what your response should uh, be and what, what they can and can't do uh, as we go through it. I mean, thank you, Troy. There has been a lot of miscommunication spreading about the vaccine, and as neither of us are medical professionals, we must make it clear that we recommend that any viewer who has questions about the safety or effectiveness of the vaccine direct their research and questioning to healthcare professionals. However, when it comes to the vaccine's role in the workplace, there are few better than my co-host, Troy Foster. So without further ado, you're listening to Legally Speaking WTF. We are a podcast that sets out to examine, question, cross-examine, and hopefully reach a verdict on many of the complex puzzles we witness in employment and healthcare law today. For those of you that hear that beautiful sound, the universally known love language of law, and fear you have been charged with listening to yet another boring podcast, we plead not guilty. We are here to be a reputable but enjoyable source on helping you navigate the puzzling legal landscape of the workplace and healthcare. My name is Joey Ski, and I'll be a key witness in today's discussion. But now it is my pleasure to call to the stand our lead counsel on these matters and the man behind the podcast name. You're listening to the one and only Legally Speaking with Troy Foster. Welcome back, everybody. As you know, we'd like to kick the show off with some fun, a little video here and there that might be applicable to today, uh, today's topic. Joey, what do you have in store for us this week? This week, we'll be returning to the icon of workplace television, The Office, for a clip about proper hygiene in the workplace and defending against the spread of disease. In these times of COVID, beware, the content within is graphic. One of the simplest ways to cut down on the spread of germs is to use something called the vampire cough. Did, did you say vampire? Oh, no. It's just that if a vampire had to cough, he would do it like this. <coughs> uh-huh. Right. And ruin their cloaks. Do you have any idea how expensive wool is in Transylvania? Because of the euro. Well, other things you can do to help cut down on the spread of disease are it to wash your hands regularly. Don't come in if you're <sighs> sick. And get your flu shot. Also, I'm going to set up hand sanitizing stations around the office. No, no, no. They will cost you your life. Elaborate. The worst thing you can do for your immune system is to coddle it. They need to fight their own battles. If Sabre really cared about our well-being, they would set up hand desanitizing stations. A simple bowl at every juncture filled with dirt, vomit, fecal matter. Not, Exposing not, yourself to, to germs is the best way to make yourself stronger. So by that rationale, if I had to sneeze, I should just sneeze on you. Yes, I would welcome it. <coughs> You're welcome. The principle is sound. To avoid illness, expose yourself to germs, enabling your immune system to develop antibodies. I don't know why everyone doesn't do this. Maybe they have something against living forever. 
Hey, Joey. Well, like always, Dwight is not going to be setting the example of how we uh, act in the workplace, especially during COVID times. I mean, definitely, Troy. I think there is quite a few examples of characters in the office that should not be looked to as workplace role models. However, (laughs) it was quite a hilarious show, and I think people learned a lot about what to do based on seeing what not to do. So I can't think of really a better place to start with this besides what was the discussion of the spread of illness and preventing it in the workplace in every year prior to 2020 based on your career experience? Well, it's interesting. So because we weren't in the midst of COVID, there still are issues with respect to hygiene and disease transmission. So especially around the flu season, uh, folks got sick. It does impact work. So employers are concerned about productivity and absences. And on the employee side, nobody wants to get sick. So there are ways and there are things that we would do on the employer side to make sure that people are trying to make uh, make provisions so that they aren't spreading illness, staying at home and, you know, washing their hands and doing things that everybody should do every day. But those are still campaigns that were in place before COVID. So, I mean, tying it into the office clip, what about Dwight's demeanor and preventing illness by spreading disease, what was kind of the truth of that video and what wasn't the truth of that video in terms of how people in the workplace kind of composed themselves, obviously, prior to this year, given the flu and all the historical things we've dealt with? That clip always and all of the office clips have to exaggerate the truth a bit. But unfortunately, the reason it's funny is because there is some truth to it all. Uh, We have folks that we've seen throughout the workplace and all the places that I've worked in HR and on the legal side uh, that just either are unaware or don't care and are going to like, you know, take from the candy jar and maybe not wash their hands. And, And those are things that we see all the time and is kind of represented by Dwight's behavior there. So, I mean, that brings us to, I I mean, obviously at the outbreak of the pandemic, the spread of infectious disease became the focal point of everyone's thought, no matter what city, state, or country you were in. And honestly, regardless of how you chose to act, it was the pinnacle of social issues for a very long time and still very much is. How did the outbreak suddenly change the office environment and the way people uh, acted about the about preventing the spread of a disease. So I think some of the positives are it raised awareness. Um, I think a lot of times awareness doesn't become an issue until it has direct impacts. So as we saw COVID kind of you know spread and have tolls, both uh, infection rates and illnesses then people became more in tune with, well, what are precautions that we need to take to make sure that we aren't spreading it? So I think that we've seen awareness rise, and I think that's going to impact the future. People are going to know how to cope and deal with uh, infection in the workplace, and now we know what to do. So, I mean, now that we do have this 
communal awareness of the issue. What do you see being the long-term effects of some of the changes we've seen in the workplace with uh, people coming together in big groups and spending a lot of time indoors together in the office? How will this environment change and what are ways that that could be beneficial or negative to um, workplace cooperation and people's demeanor? Yeah, so I think there are positives and negatives. I do think that starting with the the downside, when people aren't able to get together and aren't able to collaborate um, in bigger groups, um, sometimes we lose that camaraderie, uh, even the communication for shared goals in the workplace. So that becomes a hiccup and we have to find other ways to communicate and to work together. So, and, and I think that in large part, a lot of employers have done that. And, and it, it, the only thing that's missing is the personal touch. So that's still another downside. Uh, on, the, on the other side of that, I do think that with the awareness raised and with employers and employees alike coming together and figuring out how to work around it, I, it's just a, a great uh, thing to see because we know that employees want to work hard and employers need to have uh, the product and both have come together to try to find end arounds and we've worked around the pandemic uh, and you know are pushing through it so i think that is something that is a positive that we'll see beyond uh COVID. so here we are a year later and i mean what seemed like an impossible challenge has been at least to the best of our knowledge so far with the data we've seen from vaccinations a big success so kind of we've been dealing with the pandemic thus far but now that the vaccines are emergency authorized how does that change kind of our forward progress of reestablishing the workplace environment yeah so it's interesting it's it's more complex than it would seem right so we have uh vaccination rates going up the availability of new vaccines that have uh, received approval increasing. So more and more folks are getting vaccinated every day. So it solves the problem for the short term uh, that the infection will spread less and that we're going to be able to get together in bigger groups. So that's great. Um, Some of the problems with it, though, are, I mean, there are two that I see uh, every day. It, there are folks that don't want to get the vaccine. So that's a whole group I know we'll talk about in a minute. But there also are, is a potential for there being adverse impacts of the vaccine. So whether it's someone reacts poorly to it or certain groups aren't able to get it that want it, um, those disparate impacts will create problems. And we've already seen some of that. So to the best of your knowledge, what can you say about the importance of the vaccine in the workplace? And as you said, what what are the problems that we can see arise if it's improperly managed in on the employer side? Well, one good thing is we're relying on the government. I mean, there, that's a double-edged sword, right? <laughs> sometimes the government makes great decisions, sometimes not so much. But here, it's one of consistency. So employers are listening to what the government says, and they have to, because that's who's going to be able to go get vaccinated uh, through these different designations. So 
the government has also provided for most of the vaccines to be free. So we aren't looking at uh, a, a cost issue. Uh, it's really getting out into the communities where there is less availability or folks think they might, might have to pay for it or there are other uh, concerns and hurdles. And we've seen the government do a lot in that regard. And we're just going to have to rely on them because as employers, we can't do much uh, for that. Now, we can partner with, with government agencies. If we know that a bunch of folks in our workforce are not getting the vaccination, but they want it, uh, there are government uh, programs where they'll come out. Um, we've only seen a little bit of that so far, but I think if an employer reaches out, uh, they're going to get on a list, and that's one way to combat it for sure. Fantastic. So, I mean, when it comes to, like you said, the double-edged sword of letting the government manage the response, what are the actual rights of an employer to, I mean, to get right to it, can they mandate that their workforce receives the vaccine to come back into the office? So, yes and no. Um, there are exceptions to it, but an employer can require an employee to be vaccinated and show proof of it before they return to work. And the underlying piece of that and requirement is, hey, we want to keep the workplace safe. We don't want to get other people, whether it's customers or coworkers, sick. And we're going to require people who come in to be vaccinated and show it. Now, governments have a little bit you know, more to show and more to do uh, as employers, but that's the general rule. Uh, there are some exceptions to that. Uh, for example, if someone knows that they have a medical condition that getting a vaccine at this stage would, would somehow trigger that condition, then they don't have to. Um, and there are also uh, religious exceptions to the vaccine as well. So obviously there are exceptions, but as employers, they do have the right to mandate that someone receive the vaccine to return to the office. How can, if at all, forcing your employees to take it be damaging to the business versus how can it be beneficial? Right. So it will depend on your workforce, just like anything else. Uh, your workforce, uh, folks want to do the right thing and they want to be part of a team for the most part. So the rollout itself is going to be important. Um, I, th I think that when we talk with employers on our consulting side, we talk about, hey, you want to roll this out like you would a new policy, a new practice or procedure where you want employee buy-in. So that's going to involve educating the employees, making sure they understand why the vaccine is required and getting buy-in from folks and really asking them questions. What are your concerns? What can we do to accommodate those concerns and, and really go from there? So I think that's, there are ways to roll out um, the mandate if that's what an employer chooses to do in a way that, that is, makes it a positive. Now, an employer can also decide not to mandate it uh, and, and that could have other impacts, but if they decide to mandate it, my biggest piece of advice would be to do it in a way that is informative and, you know, really seeking input and, and being responsive.
So let's break it down into, as you just talked about, that's the employer side and what you recommend for them to have an equitable uh, requirement for the mandate for its workforce. What about employees? For those who are struggling with the idea of returning to work and want the vaccine, what do you have to say about managing that return to the workplace given their desire to have the vaccine should their uh, employer not mandate it? So now let's talk about the highest possibility for friction in this mandate for a vaccine in the workplace. What happens if, as an employer, you would like to mandate the vaccine to return to the office? However, one of your employees refuses to take it for whatever reason, whether or not they have a valid exception or not. What would you what would be your practical advice for maintaining cooperation in the workplace while also focusing on safety? So it's important to know, just like at the rollout, for the employer to understand why it is that they're requiring the vaccine, because that's going to be their go-to and their backstop. So when you have an employee that isn't interested in the vaccine and is refusing it, you need to engage and say, okay, well, what's going on? Um, here's why we are, are mandating it. Let's know, let us know why you're not. Uh, willing to, to get the vaccine. So that will bring us to two forks. One, does a lawful exception apply? And we can talk about what they would do with that. But if one doesn't apply, then I would go back to the education and the reinforcement that, hey, here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it. Can we provide you more information, more data that would make you feel comfortable getting the vaccine? And in the end, if there is no exception down that fork, it really is a matter of the employer's policy. And if they're not willing to get the, the vaccine and that's the employer's policy, then they can terminate their employment and the employee can look for work elsewhere uh, where a vaccine is either not required or where they can work from home or do something else. Well, that's great. So if it comes down to employment policy, if you would like to mandate that a vaccine be taken and an employee does not, like we talked about earlier, a vegan probably shouldn't work in a meat factory. There's sometimes there's just categorical friction that happens in a workplace and finding a new job is probably the best option. But when it comes to these legal exceptions, what is to be done about properly used legal exceptions uh, and maintaining that safety necessary? So, and, and that this follows with any um, exception. The first would be the Americans with Disabilities Act. So if someone has a medical condition, uh, the employer is required to talk to them and get more information about it and to ask them to get documentation from their doctor. So that documentation could roll out into some accommodation where it's like, okay, this person can't get the vaccine until, you know, certain season passes because their, their medical condition is, you know, may flare in the spring or the fall or whatever that is. Uh, and the accommodation may be a leave of absence without pay, or maybe some working from home for a short period of time. Um, th that would be the normal accommodation process. Now, if it comes to a point where this person has a medical condition that will never allow them to have a vaccine, then they fall outside of the scope of protection under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and they can lose their job in that respect. The, the second general exception is a uh, 
subjectively held uh, religious belief. Now, it has to be well-founded. We have to go through what, what are uh, religious beliefs that are, are recognized, and those are broad, so that's not a problem. But there are very few religions that prohibit or you know, proscribe getting vaccinated. Um, you know, there, most of them don't prohibit medical treatment. And this is what that would be, even if it's prophylactic and proactive. So that would be the, again, a discussion to see what the, what the religious beliefs are, how they are impacted, uh, by the vaccine and what potential accommodations could be made. So, I mean, it seems like if you're looking for a common theme in our podcast thus far, open communication is what it always comes down to, to managing a healthy workplace relationship between employees and employers. So kind of what is your concluding statement on the overall idea of safety in the workplace and vaccinations and how to make sure that as an employer, you are not uh, putting your employees in an uncomfortable situation, nor are you uh, not looking out for the health and safety of your uh, office space. Well, and, and I think it takes us back. You're right. It, this is about, you know, working together and having open communication. And it may be uncomfortable and that and sometimes just facing it rather than ignoring it is the most important way to deal with it. Um, and that's on both sides. So the employer having open conversations and listening, not just going through the motions of asking the question. Um, and the same with the employee, really sharing, hey, here's why I'm having a problem with it and being open and honest about their concerns. If you have that type of dialogue, an employer and an employee will be able to reach some resolution. I really firmly believe that. And because employees don't want to negatively impact the workplace, they don't want to get their coworkers sick. That's just not how people operate. Uh, it may require that there's some education and some more discussion um, so that f folks feel like they can understand it a little bit better. Uh, but really, it's about, like you said, the open communication, that dialogue, and really open to listening, not just talking. And that probably would solve most workplace issues and it is applicable to COVID here too. Fantastic. Well, I think that the workplace is but one of many places where some real focus on communication could do the world a lot of good. So Troy, let me know, what do you think we're going to approach next week uh, in our episode? Well, this month is uh, Women's Equality Month uh, and we're going to talk about the, we've talked about the gender pay gap, but we're going to also talk about the background of like how women in the workplace really started at the foundation and how we've broken some glass ceilings and we have more, more to break and how employers and employees can work together uh, to make the disparity not an issue. Fantastic, Troy. I'm excited to talk about that. I believe that there has been a lot of improvement in the workplace, even from when I first entered it back in 2014 when I was a young man, still am. But there also is much room to grow, and I think conversations like this always help with doing so. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Legally Speaking with Troy Foster. We hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks. Have a good one.